You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, a sad Monday if you're a Pelicans fan, as the team is officially eliminated from playoff contention with the loss to the San Antonio Spurs last night, combined with the Portland Trailblazers win. Season is done. No chance of getting into the ninth spot and the playing spot here in the bubble. So we've got two more games to go that really don't mean a whole lot of anything. But there's still a lot to talk about. This is going to be a long postmortem on this Pelicans team, and we're going to start it here today. So we're going to look at the games over the weekend. We're not going to spend too much time on individual play, things like that, but more just kind of the trends that we saw, and they're negative trends. Then we're going to look at, like, you know, uh, what did we uh, go into it a little bit more and look at the Pelicans overall. There's a bit of a silver lining to this. You probably don't believe me on it, but there is. And that's that some of the flaws are just obvious. And I'll explain what I mean by this. Maybe in a way it's a good thing the Pelicans didn't make the playoffs. And then finally, now what? And this is where we're going to talk a little bit about Alvin Gentry and the coaches and all of that uh, when it comes to it, because that's going to be the biggest topic right now going forward about the team. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right. So the games of the weekend, like I said, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about like individual play, breaking down the, the win against the Wizards, but we can start there. It was an 11 point win, 118, 107 in a game that you just didn't feel great about New Orleans. They came out feeling very lackluster, lackadaisical, lack of energy, effort, focus, intensity, any of those things. It wasn't really until midway through the third quarter that the Pelicans finally really decided they wanted to wake up. In fact, they were down by as many as nine in this game to a Wizards team that has guys that you don't know who they are. We can make up some names and you you wouldn't really know them. You might know who Rui Hakamura is. You might know who Ish Smith is, but you don't know a lot of these other names. You likely haven't heard about Thomas Bryant before. He put up 22. You know, it's these type of games where the Pelicans just absolutely play down to their level of competition that make you so disappointed in this team. And then that leads to just a whole bunch of issues. Bad defense, offensive rebounding, not really getting out and playing their style of game. They're able to do it against the Wizards because the Wizards are just flat out bad. They stink. They got the win, but it wasn't necessarily the most inspiring basketball you had seen from them. So knowing now that their playoff futures were on the line, they enter Sunday's game against the San Antonio Spurs. It was a game seven, as Alvin Gentry said. Everyone knew all of these were game sevens and the Pelicans never treated it with any sense of urgency. And that is a problem because in this one, they just came out and got punched right into the face. The Spurs led by as many as 20 in this one in the first half when the Pelicans just had no answer. They just didn't come out ready to play. And the Spurs were like, well, we're ready to play because we're trying to get into the playoffs. And the Pelicans, who were also trying to get into the playoffs, didn't really act like they were trying to get into the playoffs. So it was a 122-113 loss, a game that looks maybe kind of closer than it actually was. Again, big problems for New Orleans and everything going on in this one. Second chance points, turnovers, not really getting out in the fast break and playing like they want because they couldn't force a miss, bad defense, 
all of that stuff. In fact, the only guy who played well in this one, I would say, was J.J. Redick. 31 points on 16 shots. He was 8 of 12. And he looked like the only guy who really cared about winning this game. And that is unbelievably disappointing. The postgame comments from everyone kind of echo this. Alvin Gentry said on the Pelicans' first half performance, quote, there is no explanation. We talked about it, and it is a game seven, and we did need to approach it like it was a game seven. Obviously, we fell behind early. Defensively, we weren't into the ball early on, and I don't have an explanation for that. I wish I did. The only way you're going to beat a team like that, you have to be ready to play. You've got to be willing to execute, and you've got to be able to protect the basketball. Those things we struggled with today. J.J. Redick said on the Pelican slow start after all of this, quote, For whatever reason, I don't have an answer, but I don't think we started the game with great competitive spirit. We had a couple of games like that down here for whatever reason. Our group eventually picked it back up and whittled that lead down to a one-possession game. We just didn't start the game right for the whole first half, not just the starters. I'm just saying the whole first half. We just didn't have any competitive spirit to start the game. We were flat. We weren't talking. That's what it comes down to, end quote. And then Zion said, it's something that is not acceptable. The lack of spirit in the first half really dictates the second half. If we would have come out better, maybe we would have had a different outcome. Like I always say, you've just got to learn from that experience and just be better. And then on the Pelicans slow starts, quote, I'm not sure to be honest. Me giving an honest answer probably is just that we've got to come out ready to play. In those games, we didn't come out ready to play. It showed, end quote. It's not what you want to hear from anyone here. There's Blame to go around with all of this. It's a lot on Gentry. It's a lot on the players, too. I think J.J. Redick is maybe the one blameless guy. This is a game where you needed Drew Holiday to step up, and he goes 2 of 12 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3, 7 total points. Lonzo Ball struggled, struggled all bubble, 2 of 10, 0 for 4, including taking a step back 3 on a possession where he just didn't need to do that, and you could have gotten another look. He finished with 5 points. Contrast that with DeMar DeRozan, 27 points for the San Antonio Spurs. 27 to 12 right there. You're going to lose that game. This was going to come down to the backcourt, as I had told you. And though they have DeMar DeRozan in the front court, he's more of a guard than anything. So this team just couldn't get it done and just did not look like they wanted to be there anymore. And it's unbelievably disappointing with it. There is some silver linings, which we'll talk about here. But what does this tell you about the makeup and the mentality of this team? I mean, there's there's a softness to this group. There's no doubt about that. J.J. Reddick said early on in the season that he thought this was the quietest team that they've been around that he's ever been around in terms of defense on the court, but also in terms of off the court. And maybe some of that team chemistry we thought was building actually hasn't been. And that is a problem. And it's carrying out there on the court when these guys just I, I don't know what it is. There was no heart on display other than a select few guys. And it wasn't your biggest guys. You know, in this game, I think you could say there was definitely a mistake at halftime coming out with the same starting lineup. We've really seen a lot of limitations of Derek Favors in this game, uh, and sorry, in this bubble and in the play. But, you know, who, who knows? And it's a missed opportunity. And it's just kind of disappointing all around with how everything went. I'll touch on something with, with Ingram coming up here in a second that had been thrown out there on Twitter. If that's also the case, I'm really disappointed in that and tells you something about that guy too. So, not the happiest podcast here, but we got more to talk about. Like I said, we're going to be doing this kind of all week and probably into next week too as we kind of do a postmortem on this Pelicans team. 
So before we get to all of that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. That, that part's me, by the way. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Seriously, you're spending more time at home. It's disrupted your rhythm. Maybe you're not as active as much. Like I get up and things just kind of creak in my body and just hurt for seemingly no reason at all. But luckily our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recovery combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. You've heard a ton of people mention CBD because a lot of people swear by it and anything that just makes your life easier, I am all for. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Use promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. So I've got a bit of a silver lining for you, and we'll touch on that here in a moment. I know it's it's not easy to kind of look at things like that, but try and remain positive and not just do an angry cast here. I think it's worth keeping in mind because, look, it, it's not easy to be positive about the team right now. In terms of play and stuff like that, like, no, there really isn't a, a ton to really be happy about and thrilled about with this Pelicans team. There's some good things, but, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, no, it's not that important right now. Before that, though... One theory I've seen floated uh, regarding Brandon Ingram here in the bubble is that a lot of these guys, him in particular, being a free agent and kind of thinking about the future, that he wasn't really worried about playing out there on the court and just kind of mailed it in because he didn't want to get hurt and he just kind of wants to get to the offseason, get his contract and move on. And from one aspect of that, like... Yeah, man, like you got to watch out for yourself because careers are short here in the league. Potentially, sometimes you only have one chance at big money and he is in line to get big money. So why would you play these eight games or really try all that hard, you know, risk an injury that might, you know, in, in a way kind of compromise that? So I get it. Like I do. And I think if you guys have listened to me, I'm very pro player and like pro the workers here, anti uh, establishment bosses, all of that anti, you know, pro union, that kind of thing. This rubs me a little bit of the wrong way, though, because at that point, he could have just opted out. Why even go to the bubble? Why even go through training, you know, your training camp again, all of that, and then playing these games with your teammates relying on you if you're just going to mail it in? And look, he played well here relatively so far. Like, I don't think you're looking at him scoring wise and being like, what are you doing, Brandon Ingram? You're not the most amazing player anymore. Like he wasn't what he was during the regular season. I think that's safe to say, but it wasn't like he's been absolutely atrocious, right? You know, he had a chance at a game winner. He's still averaging over 20 points per game. It's still down from the regular season, but still he played relatively well. It's defensively that he was not good. And I don't know if it was, he wasn't trying or what have you, but the team needed guys locked in on that side of the ball. And when one link in the chain fails to a degree, it compromises the rest of it. And that's a little bit disappointing and tells you a little bit about his mindset. 
Again, I don't fault him for that whatsoever. It's just worth noting, worth talking about. David Griffin had said he only wanted people to come that were 100% all in. I don't know if, based on these things, and I don't know, I haven't talked to Ingram. This is me speculating and just kind of responding to some of the things I've seen thrown out there. But if he wasn't 100% all in returning to the bubble, while I get it to a degree, it doesn't make it less disappointing. And that's all I'm going to leave it with that. Like, I get it. Like, it's just kind of one of those things. But yeah, having him better on the defensive side of the ball would have significantly helped the Pelicans' chances, and it shouldn't go unnoticed. So a silver lining of all of this is maybe in a way that the Pelicans didn't make the playoffs. That, by the way, they've kind of flailed out of here, flamed out of here. Their holes and their opportunities to build and work on their weaknesses, all of that is on full display. Like, full full display. We are really seeing Lonzo Ball kind of as the player he is over these eight games. We see the defensive issues with Zion Williamson, with Brandon Ingram. We see that Drew just consistently cannot be that scorer that at times they need him to be. They have issues rebounding the ball. There was one really good rebound that Jackson Hayes had in the third quarter against the San Antonio Spurs. And it was it sticks out to me. I, I can see this so clearly because he doesn't do that all that often. The team doesn't rebound well all that often. And that's why they're giving over so many offensive boards. They need Need to figure that out. And so knowing that they have all of these issues is good because you can address it. And if we can see it, the front office and David Griffin can see it too. It's plain as day. But does it get masked a little bit if the team does get into the playoffs? If through smoke and mirrors or the weak schedule, which we overrated a little bit, they get into the postseason or into the play in the, the play-in series against whoever's in eight and then get in or even just that, does it blind people to a degree to what's really going on with this team and where they need to get better? And I think you can argue that it does. And that certainly isn't what you want because then you don't address it. Maybe you run this team back next year when frankly they shouldn't run this team back next year if they can make some moves that change it up and bring in more of what they need. So if you're looking for a silver lining, it's just it put all the dirty laundry out there on the court for everyone to see plain as day. And I think that in and of itself is a very, very good thing to know. You've got to be self-aware to a degree. And now there's no getting around it. You have to be self-aware because you can't spin what we saw in the bubble as a positive. You can't say it's a team that's growing. They didn't grow. They regressed. So all of that's out there now. And it means you have to go about addressing it. And there's going to be strong accountability from the fan base if that matters at all. So there you go. That's me being positive. In the next segment, we'll talk about some of those opportunities, some of those deficiencies that we saw from the team. And then we'll also get to kind of the elephant in the room, the coaching stuff. And I'll give you my thoughts on that. We had a bit of a report coming out of Woj about that. Uh, and we'll dive into that in the next segment here coming up. So before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Friday, I drove around in a car with no AC for about two hours. It is hot outside right now. It is still summer, particularly here in the South. It is brutal. That wasn't fun. I've been putting off fixing the AC in this car for a while now. And Friday basically just meant I need to do it. I can't lose like 10 pounds of water weight again. So I can fix it one of two ways, the expensive way or the cheap way. RockAuto.com is the cheap way. The expensive way is go into a chain store where for the parts I need to fix the AC on this car, I can spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store because they know when you walk in there, you're in there, they're only going to offer you one option and it's the one that it is and you got to pay that price if you want it. 
That's how they make their money by marking it up for you. They also have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. I'm a do-it-yourselfer. I could also make it expensive by taking it into a mechanic. They'll charge you for parts a little bit more so than normal. They'll charge you for labor. And all of a sudden now it's a couple hundred dollars more than if you just did it yourself. Or, and this is what I did, I went to rockauto.com and searched for the parts that I needed for my car to fix it. And I got them at the best price possible. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. And with all of those makes and models out there, I promise they've got you covered. Go to rockauto.com. Just check out all the different options you have. If, you're, if your car is running and made somewhere in the world, they're going to have the part that you need as long as you didn't just kit bash that thing to your, uh, yourself. So best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So don't spend twice as much for the same part. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com okay so wrapping up today's show the big question is now what we will be doing some draft stuff in the coming you know days and weeks like of course that's going to be on our mind now as the pelicans look to have a lottery pick uh, and the lottery day is going to be a fun day for all of us again when we were hoping maybe it would just kind of be a boring day, but it won't be anymore. We'll get to that. There's still a lot of stuff to discuss in the meantime. We've seen a lot of the glaring issues on this team, rebounding, defense, half-court offense. As I mentioned in the last segment, they're all readily apparent. Those need to be addressed. Derek favors in his role on the team. If you have a replacement for him, yeah, you can probably move on from him. Do they, though? That's a big question. What does that dynamic look like? I think that's an important one to discuss. There's a lot of that. And we'll take time to address all of that, as I'm sure the team will do so as well. One thing, though, which is on everyone's mind, one person, I should say, and that's Alvin Gentry. And I've heard you all. You all don't like him. I'm not saying whether he should be fired or not. Might early inclination on this today right now is that he won't be back next year. Take that for what you will. There was a report from Woj coming out of the bubble that mentioned that, you know, this is something kind of going on around the league that it's, uh, you know, some things, uh, sorry, something that people are talking about. There we go. Kind of behind the scenes around the league. And he mentioned two names in particular that could replace Alvin Gentry. There's Ty Lue, formerly with the Cavaliers, now an assistant on the Clippers, who took them to an NBA title, has a relationship with David Griffin. Griff knows what's going on there with him. That makes a lot of sense. Also, Jason Kidd. So these on the surface look very, very different. And without getting into, like, we'll, we'll, we'll spend once... And if Gentry is no longer the head coach of the team, we'll look at options and candidates then. We don't need to necessarily dive into all of the specifics on that yet. I'll say I'd be fine with Ty Lu. Like he works with his players well. There was a good relationship with LeBron James. There was growth of that team. Took him to a title and kind of turned around a weird situation there midseason. That says a lot. And kept taking him to the finals. That says a lot. There's a track record there that I think players would immediately respect. That's an important thing. In terms of Jason Kidd, everyone really wanted to kind of wave this one off. All I'm going to say is don't. I'm not going to really go into it more than that. A lot of people want to dismiss this saying it's his agent doing all of that. I think you'd be wrong to frame it at that. And if you are, just don't. I'll, that's all I'm going to say here. Jason Kidd, 
has kind of this backstabbing trait, kind of used the nets to get to the bucks and all that stuff and just doesn't genuinely seem like, like a good dude, right? I get all of that. I would, I'm not out on him as a head coach as much as a lot of other people are. And that comes from his relationship with Giannis. And this is maybe the one thing kind of going in his, he's got a few things going in his favor. This is a big one though. Giannis, when Jason Kidd was fired, was reportedly devastated. That is the quote. And reportedly offered to call and try and help save Jason Kidd's job. Having that connection with your best player it says something, right? That's not a negative thing to have when Giannis is like, no, I don't want you to be fired. I want you to coach me some more. Like That says a lot. Maybe he didn't take that team to the breakthrough that they're kind of experiencing now. But uh, it, it says a little bit of something. Also, Jason Kidd is a guy that would immediately command respect from a lot of the players on the team, having watched him when they were growing up and knowing the success he had in the league. With a young and somewhat impressionable group, that's a big thing. Also, you've got to wonder what work Jason Kidd would be able to do with Lonzo Ball, a guy who kind of emulates him to a certain degree. I think those are the two things that kind of work in his favor. But if they're trying to kind of create that family atmosphere and everything that David Griffin has talked about, you know, Jason Kidd doesn't seem like the obvious choice. But again, I would not just kind of hand wave off the Jason Kidd links and connection to all of this. Let's all say with that. So, those are the two names that have already come up. Of course, those are the two names that would also come up when it comes to this thing. Pros and cons for both, I think. But the team really needs to take a look at itself and find a coach that fits the roster a little bit, but it also can maybe get them to the next level that Alvin Gentry has clearly not been able to do. There are issues here. And I do think a lot of the coach's job is to motivate players to get them up and go and play. Now, if they don't do it, it doesn't mean that another coach would be able to. Maybe these are just players that aren't able to do it. But also, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try it with a different person. So I find this a little bit interesting. I'd said in the beginning that I thought they probably already had a decision made on a beginning of the bubble on Alvin Gentry. And David Griffin himself said that he didn't think eight games here in the bubble were really going to affect the decision making all that much. But then you kind of watch it and how bad this team looked at times. And again, the glaringly obvious issues. And I think it'd be wrong to not let these eight games, whatever these two coming, you know, whatever these other two do, it doesn't really matter, right? You know, I would, I think it would be wrong to not look at this bubble and have it factor into your decision making. And I don't think the Pelicans are going to just kind of pretend that this didn't happen. I don't think you can. It was an embarrassment. That's the only way to put it. So we'll see where they go from there. I don't know if this decision is going to be made anytime soon. And look, we don't know what the offseason is all going to look like, how this is all going to work. The whole setup's very, very weird. So we've probably got a ways to go with this. Like I said, it's a ways to go on the postmortem with this Pelicans roster. But that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Big thank you to the sponsor, CBDMD. Go check them out, cbdmd.com. Use promo code NBA for 25% off your order. Check out rockauto.com for the lowest priced auto parts that you can find. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Right, Locked On in there, How Did You Hear About Us box. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.